Welcome to ASEAN Insights, Understanding Southeast Asia, the premier podcast that examines current dynamics defining the region. Brought to you by the Economic Research Institute for ASEAN and East Asia, each episode we will talk with thought leaders who are shaping the future of the region through research, policy, activism, or business. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm Lydia Reddy, ERIA's Special Advisor of U.S. ASEAN Affairs and Director of Communications, the host of today's podcast. Today I'm with Dr. Lorong Chen, Senior Economist at ERIA, to discuss digitalization in ASEAN and the important role it plays in the region's economic recovery after the pandemic. Lorong has multiple publications on regional integration and digitalization in ASEAN. Today's discussion focuses on the current state of digitalization in ASEAN and how it can be harnessed to promote regional post-pandemic recovery. So Laurel, thank you so much for joining today. Yeah, um, thank you, Lydia. It's my pleasure to have this opportunity to talk about digitalization and regional development in ASEAN and East Asia. Thank you. I'd, I'd like to start with just a very basic question since this is our first podcast on digital economy. So I hope you can lay the foundation that uh, future podcasts can build on. So what is the digital economy in the global and regional context? Well, um, we can understand the digital economy as economic activities conducted, facilitated through digital technologies, as well as digital enabled and digital empowered services. Um, I would like to emphasize here is that the development of digital economy is not just about uh, that of the development of ICT sector, such as internet, cloud computing, machine learning, or, or, or AI, but more importantly, larger potential of the digital economy will actually come from the combination of digital technologies with the existing economic sectors from the agriculture and handicraft to industry and services. So, um, and when we talk about digitalization, they can affect economic growth and mainly by reducing the trade costs. This is similar to the effect of industry revolution in the 18th to 19th century, when the use of steamship and railway drove down the cost of transportation and also similar to that of the information revolution in the 20th centuries, when the application of computer and other um, ICT uh, technologies reduced the cost of communication and set a stage for the birth of uh, global value chains, so-called uh, GVCs. So today, when we talk about um, digital economy, actually refer to the fact that digitalization can extend the coverage of GVCs and increase its sophistication by further facilitating people-to-people -people, uh, connection, increasing information transparency, and also remove the boundaries between different lines of the value chain. Um, moreover, um, as we we know with the application of digital technology and related business models, uh, the service sector will become more and more uh, innovative and productive. And this is very unique uh, characteristics of the digital economy. So basically, um, 
Uh, in digital economy, we are going to see like digital armed services, either they are digital enabled or digital bond, tend to improve the capacity of global value chains and help this global value chain to better connected, smarter connected, and more efficient connected. The expansion of GVCs and the development of services can actually mutually reinforce, and all this is linked by the economic digitalization. As for Asia, digitalization has introduced new business model and also new organizational models to the region. There are efficient gains associated with the adoption of digital technology. It can help producers and service providers to create and expand the market, lower their operating costs, facilitate the uh, transitions, and also improve the competitiveness and facilitate the region's um, competition in the global market. And also, uh, one thing we need to know is that in digital economy, knowledge-intensive activities can create millions of job opportunities for workforce. And for ASEAN and East Asia, this is also uh, something very important. Yeah, thank you. So, so you've just mentioned a lot of the benefits of digital economy, but what are some of the risks? Well, in, in a digital economy, opportunities and challenges normally source from the same factors. The development of the digital economy is only part of digital transformation. And we should realize that digitalization is more about uh, social transformation. That is, the changes triggered by digitalization could be wider, deeper, and less predictable than ever before. For instance, at the early stage of the internet's development, it's relatively for us, uh, for us internet users to separate um, the real life and the life in a cyberspace. But with the advance of digital technology, today we see the boundaries between the cyberspace and the reality tend to evaporate uh, over time. For individuals, the virtual identity in the online world has to be mapped with the physical one. While for countries, we see that the cyberspace, which was conceived as uh, borderless, is more and more becoming an integral part of national uh, sovereignty, for example. On the one hand, we, we see news, options, and speech disseminated via the internet and social media has increasingly influenced on real-life activities. And on the other hand, we can see the rules and regulation uh, on online behaviors have started to reshape the cyber landscape and extend the current international order to the cyberspace. So um, let me explain a little bit more uh, uh, here. So as for individuals and business, more data and information today are already digital born and their life circle exists in a cyberspace. But here, the trust highlights the increasing concern about data accuracy and safety and privacy protection. So while the advance of ICT facilitates the use of data, at the same time, it also increases the risk that those data could be illegally leaked, uh, stolen, or misused. And at the national level, the diversity of countries' attitude towards the, the governance 
of uh, cyberspace, so-called uh, cyber governance, and the consequent policy represents the difference of um, countries' economic and legal systems, institutions, social values, and even the ideologies that arbitrators amount uh, countries. So such mindset differences could lead to conflicting viewpoints in international relations. From a regional perspective, uh, we know that uh, countries in uh, ASEAN and East Asia are at different stage of development and their traditions, culture, and social and political system vary from country to country. This kind of uh, diversity could be two-edged sword. On the one side, we can see that um, diversity could be a main source of innovation. Innovation is the ultimate driving force in the digital economy. And ASEAN has a big group of medium and small size enterprises who are very dynamic in innovative activities. So this is a big advantage. But on the other side, diversity also means that ASEAN countries are event paces in digitalization. And we can see this from um, the logistics and ICT infrastructure building to the setting of the relative laws and regulations. So the basic idea here is that we need to unleash ASEAN's digital potential, but at the same time, nano is a portable digital divide. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I think that's a, an issue that many countries around the world are facing, facing and I wanna do some follow-ups on a lot of the topics you just brought up in there, like digital divide, governance, innovation. So, but that's for another day. Um, right now, I want to go on to how can we really capture the power of digital economy to help with our efforts in, in um, recovery from the pandemic? Oh, well, um, simply put, the COVID-19 pandemic can be seen as a global uh, supply chain crisis in the economic area. There were shocks coming from both the supply side and the demand side. So when the COVID-19 turned into a pandemic, countries' lockdown measures work like pushing a, a pause button on the functioning of uh, global value chains. This caused the global contagion of uh, plummeting international trade and investment. And this is very sad, I must say that, but there are some, but some good news is that um, during this process, digitalization has been rising to prominence um, as uh, when digital technology and related pick up the government's emergency response to the crisis, such as the implementation of the social distancing and, and lockdown uh, measures. Um, we have some statistics here to, to prove this. For example, the, the worst number of internet user, users increased by more than 100 million in year two, uh, 2020. Online learnings and working and shopping have replaced offline activities and become an integral part of more and more people's daily life. And in ASEAN, we see that um, e-commerce uh, was growing much faster than that was previously focused. In in year 2020, the size of ASEAN's online retailing market increased by more than uh, 40%. And there were, near, there were more than 
40 million new e-commerce users who enter the market in, in, within one year. Um, and also when we look at the, the market of online services, we see that uh, uh, several sectors, especially the online food and personal care is booming very quickly. And look at the online transaction, people always talk about this uh, very slow pace in the region. But during the COVID, we see that digital payment for either online and offline business um, are increasingly popular in, in Asia. So this is actually some positive news we observe here. And as for the, the post-pandemic recovery, we need to know that it is not the COVID-19 pandemic, but the policy measures in response to this pandemic that have caused supply chain to disconnect it and transformed the global Paris crisis into an economic crisis, if I may say. Um, so the idea that digitalization can help the post-COVID-19 recovery and growth is to make global value chain smarter by adopting uh, digital tools, services, and new business models into the network and increase the resilience of the global value chain by reducing the risk of introducing stocks to the system through their effect on uh, humans, for example. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. But what happens if the pandemic is prolonged? I mean, I hate to say that, but what are the risks if it is? Uh, well, before talking about a risk, let's start with something encouraging first. Again, look at the statistics. We see the global uh, economy has shown strong signs of recovery by the first half of uh, 2021. Uh, this is many thanks to China's resuming production, as well as, well as the effort of countries' uh, stimulus efforts, such as the physical aid and, and easing of money, monetary policy that had meant to pull the economy out of depression by stimulating uh, the demand. Look at the global container shipping data. We see that it hit the bottom in mid-2020. But after that, quickly got reversal. And the volume of international shipment in, um, in the middle of year 2020 already reached the same level as that of um, year 2019. So this is a very positive uh, side of uh, recovery. And in Asia, we see the exports of goods have resumed year-to-year -year growth since the second half of uh, year 2020. By the end of 2020, we see the PMI for manufacturing already reached uh, 53.8. So it is a strong sign of a positive economic outlook. Uh, so all these are kind of a releasing a strong sign of economic recovery. However, uh, we, we realize that the COVID-19 pandemic is not over yet. Uh, and we, we should be cautious about three particular risks here. So first is the in inflation. So um, economic difficulties triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic is indeed a, a global a supply chain crisis, as I mentioned before. So unless the supply chain, uh, the supply side can quickly regain its productivity and enter a new growth track, the stimulus-driven recovery could only be temporary and the economy will face the risk of high inflation. So, um, this is a very classic uh, 
textbook uh, case we can understand. And second, we know that GBC got broken down during the, the COVID pandemic and is not yet fully recovered from it. And if the pandemic is prolonged, GBC, at least some links of this uh, supply chain may get critical damage if, it, if, the, uh, if the pandemic stay longer there. And this is particularly serious for small and medium enterprises, how they can survive uh, uh, this uh, prolonged crisis. And uh, third, the last point many people uh, may not pay attention is the consequent economic turbulence may actually embolden the trade protectionism and add momentum to the deglobalization trend. And this is something that um, uh, countries, especially those in ASEAN and East Asia, uh, don't want to see. Yeah. So <clears throat> talking about the, how digitalization can help the recovery, but there's another issue impacting this region. The US-China so-called decoupling so how, how does that uh, impact economic digitalization specifically? Uh, well, first of all, for sure, I don't think the possible U.S.-China decoupling can and will change the direction of the long-term trend of economic digitalization. Although um, a long-lasting dispute, dispute between the, the world's two largest economies could probably affect the trajectory of digital transforma transformation and lead to different patterns of international division of labor. But for ASEAN, I think it's very important to strengthen its connection with both the US and China. In case the decoupling forced GVCs to split into two competing blocks, ASEAN need to make sure that the two blocks overlap in this region. And in order to do so, the region need to generate uh, uh, economic gravitation large enough that both, US, both the US and China will stick to the Asian market despite their economic decoupling. And developing the digital economy can help increase the region's coherence and strengthen the region's market gravitation in the global economy. So this is a, a this is very important to the region. Um, as we can see, the development of ICT alone could significantly contribute to economic growth. We know that the, the, the annual gross output of the Silicon Valley has been higher than Finland's national GDP, annual GDP. And in ASEAN, some studies show that adopting Industry 4.0 can actually bring an increase of over 200 billion output increase and more than 40 billion increase in revenue of business. And this will also contribute to 35% to 40% of incremental market value added within the next decade. Only the, the ICT sector itself is very important, uh, uh, have a very important effect in, uh, pro in promoting economic growth. And moreover, we know that digital technology are normally interlinked and compatible with each other. So combining different technologies could further give birth to new products and new services, and also generate new markets. This could then multiply the market potential, create more new job 
opportunities and provide a steady flow of innovation and productivity improvement. So this will be very important to the region. Uh, but of course, we, we know unleashing ASEAN's potential in the digital economy needs regional collaboration in many areas, such as the data, uh, free flow of data, consumer protection, cybersecurity, um, IPR protection and, and distribute uh, uh, resolution and on and on. With regional integration and digital transformation mutually reinforcing each other, uh, we believe um, ASEAN could increase its weight in global value chain in the digital era and have a greater uh, say in uh, regional and global uh, affairs. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's really interesting that just um, the importance of bringing all of the different types of digital economy or sectors together to increase essentially the gravity, you called it, of the region so that um, it has standing of its own between the two um, challenging powers. So this has been a very interesting conversation and so many issues for us to, to follow up on. So I just, I just wanna to go to one last question. What's on the horizon? What do you see coming? And what can ASEAN do to accelerate digitalization? So what are your recommendations? Just a few short ones. Um, well, um, the, the beauty of digitalization is, of course, it will introduce a lot of uncertainty to our future. And when we talk about how to accelerate digital transformation, I think there is a long to-do list for ASEAN. Uh, to accelerate digitalization. But here, I just want to highlight some points from the uh, policy uh, perspective. So first, um, a digital economy is known as creative economy or innovative economy. Supporting innovative economy growth needs innovative policy source. So here, we like to say that we need to keep open-minded and cooperative spirit. This will, this will be something very important for ASEAN countries. In addition to, the, to our effort to nurturing our own business unicorns, countries need to uh, also think uh, the policy to polish um, our competitive uh, ages by embracing digital technology in traditional sectors. So second, we see digital transformation in, as kind of a process of social transformation that contains change in the ways how people live, how people work, and how people study. Here, improving people-to-people -people connection will be a policy focus for, the whole, for all the countries in the region. Um, as this is the way to provide necessary condition to realize the ambition region's development. Uh, such as uh, eliminating development gaps and promoting inclusive uh, growth. So improving people-to-people -people connection is the key. Third one, um, dual setting to enable free flow of data with trust uh, represent a bigger challenge in improving digital connectivities when compared to uh, peer uh, infrastructure or, or any other aspect of digitalization. We know that free flow of data needs to be safeguarded by a series of backup policies, especially um, uh, when data has become the main carrier of value in the digital economy. For ASEAN and East Asia, um, the region is known for its 
great gradualism that's to to do something step by step and uh, pragmatism in pushing forward the process of regional cooperation and for the development of digital economy and the related rule setting we believe this will also be a very effective way to uh, the trust building in feed of a uh, uh, cooperation in a digital economy and fourth one is that um, uh, we want to highlight that promoting digital economy calls for a broader regulatory framework comprising a wide range of related issues. Um, neither private sector or public sector is capable of handling all these change and challenges alone. So here we need closer public-private partnership. And this needs to be done either within a nation or regionally or uh, or even globally. So preserving the voice, the private sector in the cycle of policy and rule making will become more and more important. And, and, and in this process, of course, we also need to, uh, policymakers also need to balance the interests of digital giants, kind of big digital company, companies with those of small and medium uh, enterprises. Um, and one very last point, uh, as for Asia, deepening regional integration and promoting the digital economy uh, will stay at the core of the regional long-term development strategy. This is in line with the global trend of digitalization, and it will help Asian countries work more closely together to mitigate the, any negative impacts of the U.S.-China um, trade dispute and also be part of the region's policy response to deal with the economic um, shocks triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic and the post-pandemic economic recovery. So this is just a few points I want to highlight here about the um, development of digital economy. Thank you, Lydia. Laurent, I wanna thank you uh, for laying all of these issues out so clearly. And your insights and your suggestions are very helpful, I think, to, to policymakers, to academics, to the public. Um, so I'm hoping that we can follow up on some of these issues soon. And we know that the, the digital landscape changes very rapidly. So I'm sure there are going to be new issues emerging um, over the next few months. So I just want to thank you again. Thank you. If you have any questions about the issues explored in this episode, email us at contactus at iria.org. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other streaming platforms so that you will be notified about future sessions.